one defenseless child alone, multiplied by tens of millions. Fifteen million orphans worldwide have lost both parents. A half million children in the U.S. live in foster care. month as well as being the international day of prayer for the persecuted church is also the month in which we have Orphan Sunday. And Orphan Sunday uh, is, uh, is a time when we remember that call that God gives to us. And uh, I think it's incredible because in this body we have, well let's see, how many folks either have been adopted or are have adopted a child or are in foster care? How many families we got? So we want to thank you guys. We want to thank you. And as a, as a body, as a church, we're committed to, uh, to helping orphans in any way that we're able to. So uh, this morning as we begin, I have a, a couple of families here just going to share with us a little bit on that idea, the concept of adoption and foster care. So Abe and Willow, if you guys would come on up. me when um, when I when we were pre- preparing to do this today is um, Psalm 10 and really um, it just spoke volumes to me about what happens when children age out of orphanages and so I just wanted to read a little bit to you why O oh Lord do you stand far off why do you hide yourself in times of trouble in his arrogance the wicked man hunts down the weak He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocent, waiting in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. Arise, O Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. You, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the the helper of the fatherless. 
You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. I know I skipped some bits and pieces there, but I just see this, this great picture in that verse of orphans aging out of the system when they're too old to stay there any longer and they come out of the orphanage with nothing and the enemy is there to wait waiting to snatch them up there's so many families that could take these orphans in and so that wouldn't happen and i just uh, it's hard to explain how much god has touched our hearts with the cases for orphans you know we watch these videos and see these kids these kids that are so close to aging out and we can't do anything for them but there are those that can we've been told that because we have such a young family that they won't let us adopt older children and so we're stuck there and yet you know i mean i I know that god could open that door for us if that's his will but i would just really encourage you guys to open your hearts to that I guess I should give Abe a chance to talk to. We watched a video the other night, and it's available to you guys. We got some extra copies we could loan out. Uh, waiting children from Adoption Advocates International, and their waiting children list. And there was quite a few kids that were, were originally sibling groups up for adoption. Maybe they had a 14-year-old and a, an 8-year-old. Well, one of the kids is aged out, and now it's just one kid. And it was just ripped at your heart at how many kids in those videos we watched where that was the case. Um, the, the older sibling had aged out, and so it's just the younger child now, which that younger child does stand a better chance of getting adopted now. But what about that child that was aged out of the system? The, the statistics on those children that are aged out of the orphanages, um, even here in America in the, the foster care that don't get a solid family that they can look to when they get in trouble and stuff. Um, the prostitution and the slavery and those third world countries where they come from, that's usually where they end up. It's not a pretty picture for those kids that age up. They don't have nobody to turn to. And, uh, and so that's where they end up majority of the time. And so if we can pray for them right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we just lift up all those children in the foster care system the international orphanages, Lord, that um, they're about ready to age out, Lord. We just lift them up to you, Lord, and you provide homes for them, Lord, and they turn to you, their Heavenly Father, right now for direction and comfort and strength. In the name of Jesus, amen. And again, I'd like to thank you all. I don't think we've been able to thank the whole, the whole body uh, for you guys' support and prayers as we brought Petros home. And I'd like to just thank you guys very much. Without you guys, it wouldn't have been possible. So thank you for your prayers and support uh, for bringing Petros home. So thank you. Am I okay now? Gary and Wendy are going to share for a moment with us as well about foster care. So let's welcome them. I'm Gary Thomas. This is my wife, Wendy. Wendy is a foster parent. I'm finance and transportation. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We've had several foster kids in our home in the last 13 years. And we have a list of them here. We uh, have 
Andrea, Nikki, Ryan, Olivia, Tessa, Jacob, and Jordan. Anthony, Zane, Trey, Amber, Trinity, Orion, Erica, Cassie. Jessica, Mariah, Weston, Roy, Karomi, Faith, Christian. Alexandria, Quinton, Adam, Alexis, Alizé, Belinda, Ashley. Michael, Haley, Kelby, Colton, Josephine. Cassidy, Bruce, Odessa, Zahid, Ramiz, Ariana, Darius, Margaret, and Constance. Um, our children have ranged from premature to um, 14 or 15. Um, we've been very honored and blessed to have these kids in our home to feed them a warm meal and tuck them in a warm bed and be able to kneel by their bed and pray with them and for their parents. Um, and, of course, we continue to pray for all of our children all the time. We're also very thankful to the congregation for coming beside us and praying for our kids, for the nursery school and the friends that have helped us along the way. We've been very blessed to participate in children's lives. Right now there are around 250 children in the foster care system in what they call Region 5, which is Twin Falls, Jerome, Blaine, Burley, those areas of, of the state of Idaho. Um, there's only around 180 foster families to take care of those children, and those numbers change every day with, with the, uh, um, the families that need care, the families that uh, are able to provide care for their children again. It's the main goal of the foster care system in Idaho is to reunify families, to put the children back with their parents after their parents have become able to provide a safe and stable home for those children to be in. Um, and we, you, you see pictures of this video and those kids break your heart and they come into their home, your home and they'll break your walls and they'll break your windows and they'll break your toys and when they leave they'll break your heart again because you, you, uh, you attach to them and you are encouraged, we are encouraged as foster parents to maintain that attachment throughout the life of those child, to, to be involved, to be a part of, to be extended family, not only to the children, but also to the birth parents and the entire family and continue to be a support for those, those children. So it's, even though it's, it is a separation in a way, it's, it's a continuation, uh, um, just, just the way that um, life progresses, we get to be a part of their lives longer than they, they live in our homes. Um, we have got to invite um, several of our foster and birth moms to church with us, a couple that were saved um, because they joined us in church. So that's a real honor, too. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about CASA, which is the Child Advocate Services. Each child in foster care is appointed a CASA worker, and that worker is just an advocate for the child. So there's, there's volunteer time there. Um, health and welfare now gearing up for Christmas. There's a huge opportunity to drop off anything um, at the department. There's some people that make little snack packs, so when a kid's pulled into foster care, they're always hungry <laughs> and they're always needing clothes. So you can even just drop off a few snack packs. You can label them boys or girls or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I was on the Wednesday's Child um, webpage, and there's about 80 Wednesday's children on that page that their parents' rights have been terminated and they have nowhere to go. Some of them live in group homes. Some of them are still living in foster care. There was a 17-year-old girl that was just on and on about wanting a family of her own. And um, so there's just small and huge opportunities out there for everyone. And in America, in Idaho, um, there's actually support. It's not expensive to adopt a child in the U.S. 
Um, unless you want a cute little pink white baby, <laughs> then it's expensive. <laughs> but it's truly a blessing, and we're thankful very much for the opportunity to serve our Lord. And we promised Jackie we'd save him some time for the message, so <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Well, I don't know. To me, that's, uh, that's the heart of the message, that list of names of children that you read off. And the idea that so many, so many times we say things like, I, I don't know how I can serve or where I fit in the body of Christ or, or what I can do. What can I do to further the cause of Jesus Christ or further his kingdom? And I think one day, you know, those who are involved in foster care and adoption and and, and especially with foster care, it kind of breaks my heart because about the time you, you, you fall in love, you know, it's time for them to go home or, or to another family many times. But that's a life you've touched forever. Forever. A few weeks ago, <clears throat> Sunday morning, a fella come to visit. And he was a transient, had... Uh, Nowhere to go, no money, was looking for a way to get to, to Arizona. And so we invited him to church. Church was just beginning to start, so he came and joined us for church. And after church, we were uh, preparing for Hallelujah Night, and uh, we had some pizza back there. So he came back and had some pizza with us and hung out for a while. We weren't able to, to work out uh, a deal for him to get a, a bus ticket, so we found a place that he could stay and uh, he spent the night and came back in the morning. And uh, we got him all worked out so he could get a, a bus ticket going to Arizona. And as I drove him to Twin Falls, we got to talking, you know, about where he was from and what was going on in his life. And I don't know, probably one of the most alone people I have ever really sat down and kind of made a connection with. He grew up in foster care, never had a stable place, never really had a stable foster home. And now in his mid-20s, he has no mom, no dad, no brothers, no sisters, nobody. That's a, a real need in our world, right? And as you saw in the video, the need is vast. Maybe we can't help them all. But we can help some. We can help one. We can reach out and touch them with the love of Jesus Christ. And I had an opportunity to pray with a young man. And, and you know, who knows? Sometimes life's a circle. Maybe our paths will cross once again. But, but the, the idea that there's someone... You know, I don't know, I, I look at those situations and I think about those things and I think, wow, you know, there's, there's a, a life to be touched and there's a lot of hard things in regard to it. And there's a lot of difficult things and it's not easy. I mean, when, especially if you're, if you're working in that situation, you know, kids don't always come to you without baggage. But they do come to you, <laughs> they do come to you needing somebody to love them. And uh, praise God, we have an opportunity to, to support the families in our fellowship to do it. And I would just ask, you know, 
pray about it. Pray about it. See if the Lord is directing or, or guiding you in that direction. Come talk to, to Abe and Willow or, or, or Wendy and Gary or myself, and, and we'll help you get plugged in so that you can be a part of that. Well, while we're thinking about that concept, thinking about adoption, thinking about the orphans, open up in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to take a look at what the Lord has, uh, has for us this morning in His Word. There are no such thing as uh, coincidence. There are only Godowinces. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's a master of all. But he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Part of the concept that Paul's laying out for us this morning, as we continue his argument away from people allowing legalism to sneak up and snatch us away from the truth, of grace and faith in Jesus Christ. It's so subtle, oftentimes we find ourselves in that place. And he says, listen, it's it's like the picture of an adoption. He's going to paint this picture for us. And he begins, listen, the heir of a family, as long as he is a child, doesn't differ at all from a slave. When, let's say there was a wealthy family and they had a child, that child was exactly... Just like the other slaves in the house. Now, all the kids can say amen. No, they're not listening. Try again. All the kids can say amen. Chickens. I see ya. You're looking right at me. Cole's the only smart one. He's looking at the ground. (laughs) When a child... When a child is in the family, he is a little different from a slave, even though he's the master of all. One day, he's going to control all the vast wealth of the family, except in Cole's case. But he's going to control all the vast wealth of the family. But right now, he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Listen, there were three different slaves that they would put in charge of the children. The first one was the tutor. You remember last week we talked about how the law is like the tutor. The, the one that was in charge of training up the child, making sure that they understood the things of God, uh, guiding them in morality and, and, and learning them in school. But they also had a guardian. The guardian was like their bodyguard, the bodyguard that went around and made sure that they were safe. And then they had stewards, and the steward's job was to make sure the inheritance for that child was kept protected and safe until the appointed time. And the appointed time would go like this. At some time, the father would look at his child and he would say, you know what? It's time for you. It's time for you to be a man. There's time for you to be a woman. It's time for you to leave behind childhood and step into adulthood and in every guys in every society they have a big deal about that coming of age i think we in the united states kind of missed the boat you know we we don't really have a real coming of age celebration and for the for the jewish people they had the the bat mitzvah or the bar mitzvah 
We see in the Roman world they did it, in the Grecian world they did it. In the Roman world, what they would do is the child had a, a very childlike toga that he would wear around, kind of a, a, a symbol of the ones that the older folks wore. But on this particular day, they would take that toga off and he would get the one that he would wear in adulthood. And it was this big ceremony saying, hey, you were a child, now you're a son. Just because you were born in the family didn't mean you were an heir. You did not become an heir to the inheritance of your family until your father adopted you. When he adopted you, now you had the position of walking as an adult within the family with the rights to all the wealth that the family possessed. Now when you understand that picture, when God says, you have been adopted as sons... Do you hear what he's saying? He's not just saying you're part of my family. He's saying you are an adult child, an adult son, an adult daughter with all the rights to all the wealth of the family. What family are we talking about? God's family. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? That we have that opportunity, that we have that that understanding that, listen... He said in, in verse 3, Paul says, so, Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, don't lose sight. Sometimes we lose sight of the subtleties in the Scripture. When Paul says we, who's he talking about? Well, actually, when Paul says we, he's talking about the Jews. Paul's a Jew, right? Speaking to Gentiles. Within the church, he says, when we, the Jews, were under bondage, what was the bondage? What was the slave that was over them? The law. Remember last week we looked and it said the law is until what? Until Christ. When Christ came, the law passes away. Why? Because Jesus fulfills it. And then imputes to us righteousness. So here he says, listen, we, uh, the Israelites, the Jews, when we were children, when we were young, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. That, that word elements is like the ABCs, the building blocks. The building blocks for the nation of Israel was the Mosaic Covenant, the law. If you do this, then I'll do that. The, the do's and don'ts, the lists and requirements. What was that given to them for? It was given to them to protect them. How? It taught them, it guarded them, it protected their inheritance. That's what the law was for. Until Christ. And then Christ becomes all those things for us. For those of us who put our faith and our trust in Him. Look, in verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, what was the fullness of time? What does that mean? The fullness of time means at exactly the perfect moment. At exactly the right time. No better time on the face of the earth except for the time when Jesus came. Think about some of the things that were going on. We had the the Pax Romana, the Roman peace throughout the world. Rome ruled with that iron fist. And for the first time, you could travel around the world and visit a variety of places because Rome had come in and, and paved the way. They had built a road system and facilitated travel. And you had the Greeks. The Greeks had developed a language that had been accepted by the known world. Everybody spoke Greek. You could go anywhere. You might not speak their native language, but you could communicate 
in Greek. So they had an, an ability to communicate, an ability to come across and, and be able to speak. You had the Jews at such a time proclaiming monotheism that there is one God and looking for the promise of his coming. And in Daniel chapter 9, you had the clock ticking. Tick, talk. The clock in Daniel chapter 9 said, on April 6, 32 AD, the Messiah is going to walk into Jerusalem. It was getting close. Guess what happened on April 6, 32 AD? We celebrate it as Palm Sunday. That's the day Jesus walked into Jerusalem and was proclaimed as the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We see the fulfillment of time. At the fullness of time. At the perfect time. At the right time. What did God do? God sent his son. We miss out on this subject. What does every father give his son? His nature. Now for you and I, that's not such a great thing. If you want to know where Cole gets his temper from, it's his mother. No. (laughs) We as fathers pass our natures to our children. The Bible says from the time of Adam forward, man was born in Adam's image. With a sin nature. Born a sinner. Born a sinner out of the womb. So we see that. But when God sends his son, what is God's nature? God's nature is deity. And he sent his only son, Jesus Christ. That means Jesus is deity. Listen, guys, I don't want you to misunderstand this. At the time of Christ, when Jesus said, I'm the son of God, they all knew what he meant. Because they tried to pick up stones and stone him. He, he meant, I am God in the flesh. Now, 2,000 years later, we can mess that up. But at the time, being the son of God, that means he is deity. He is God incarnate. God sent his son. But how did he send his son? Born of a woman. We talked about this last week. Why was that so important? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 is what's called the Proto-Evangelicum, the first mention of the gospel. And the Proto-Evangelicum goes like this. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. We discussed last time in Galatians chapter 3, we're told the seed is Christ. The seed is Christ. That the, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the, the promised one, God in the flesh will be born of a woman. That way... The, the sin nature passed from man through would not pass to him. He would be the second Adam, born without sin. No sin nature. Jesus Christ, born fully God, fully man, without sin. Born of a woman, born under the law. He had one purpose. The purpose was this. God had said, he had shouted from Mount Sinai. This is my requirement. If you want to have a relationship with me, this is the requirement. Keep this law. And man couldn't do it. Because the power to keep the law is not within the law. So God came manifest in the flesh, born in the flesh, fully God, fully man, and he kept it. And when he kept the law, he was the only man ever born on the face of the earth that never had the right to die. Yet, he died on the cross, taking our place. 
so that He could impute to us His righteousness and we could impute to Him our sin nature. And so the law would be completed in the Son. The law would be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. He would keep the law born of a woman born under the law. For what purpose? To redeem those who were under the law. That we might what? Receive adoption. Once you were adopted, you didn't have the slaves ruling over you anymore. You didn't have a guardian. You didn't have a, a school teacher. You didn't have those, those slaves that had charge over you. Now, you were in charge because you were a son. The comparison that Paul makes here in Galatians chapter 4 is between a son and a servant. What are the differences? What are the things that we have as a son that we don't have as a servant? What are the things that we experience? Well, the first thing is, we talked about the son has the same nature as the father. Don't get carried away. Jackie is not saying we are gods. But we have that same nature. How is that? How do we have the nature of the Father by adoption? How is it that we have that in our life? Well, turn with me to 2 Peter 1.4. Turn with me to 2 Peter 1.4 and we'll see it. while I get a song in my head. You guys ever had that happen? It's 1 Peter 1.4. 2 Peter 1.4 makes absolutely no sense at all. In this context, yes. 1 Peter 1.4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. We are kept... We are kept for this inheritance. What is that inheritance? The inheritance that he's speaking of, that he guides us to, is the Holy Spirit. We give our faith and love in Jesus Christ, and we receive, as a guarantee of the inheritance that we will gain, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the nature of the Father living in the Son. We have been adopted sons, and so he gave us the spirit of the living God. We have the spirit of almighty God moving and working and living within us. And so we want to realize that the law could never give us the Holy Spirit. The law could never impute to us the nature of the Father. But isn't that why we try to keep it? When we try to please God by works of the law, we're saying, I can achieve the nature of the Father on my performance. Wait a minute, I can't. I achieve the nature of the Father based on my relationship with Him. I have been adopted. I've been adopted. I'm a son. I'm an adopted son of Almighty God, and He has imputed to me His nature. He has given the Holy Spirit to work within us. The Son also has a Father. What does the servant have? The Master. The difference between the relationship between a father and a master. Listen, what does the scripture say in verse 6? Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. It means Papa. 
Daddy. It's a relationship with God that was never seen on the pages of the Old Testament. You will not find in the pages of the Old Testament anyone saying, Hey, Dad, how you doing? To God. Because their relationship in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant was that of a servant. And God was the master until Christ, at which time, by faith, they could receive the spirit of adoption, by which they could cry out, Abba, Father, we're in the family. When I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His spirit comes within me, and I'm adopted. I'm part of the family. And now, that brings those privileges. We can go to the throne of God at any moment of the day. At any time, we can call upon the name of the Lord, and He's there to hear. He's there to listen. So we see that the Son has the same nature as the Father. We see the Son has a Father that He can have a relationship with in Almighty God. Then, the Scripture goes on to tell us in, in verse 3, the Son, or I'm sorry, the, the third point, the Son obeys out of love. Why? Why do we do the things we do for the Lord? Because we love Him. Because love will always do more than the law requires. Love will always do more than the, than the law requires. Love always outperforms law. Always. And I'm reminded, I shared, I think I shared with you before, the story of Jacob. Remember the Bible tells us that Jacob loved Rachel so much that he was willing to work seven years for her. We all know the story, don't we? Did you ever wonder why there's a moment in the ceremony, maybe you didn't realize, in the marriage ceremony there's a moment when the veil by the father is lifted up and held behind his daughter so that the daughter can step forward and be married. Why do they lift the veil prior to the wedding? So they don't fool Jacob again and he doesn't marry the ugly stepsister. So what happened? He worked seven years. The Bible says those seven years seemed like just a moment. And he was so excited and the wedding came. And we all know the story. He was tricked into marrying Leah. And what did his uncle Laban tell him? Listen, if you'll fulfill Rachel's week, I'll give you her also. You know the scripture says that he worked seven more years so that he could have her? Love always does more than what the law requires. 14 years. 14 years he was willing to be a slave in a family so that he could have a marriage with a woman. That is, by the way, love. In case you're a little bit curious about what love is. That's love. Love is willing to work. Think about it. 14 years, no dating. 14 years he could see her, but he could never touch her, couldn't have her. Maybe not even have any communication with her whatsoever until those 14 But he was willing. I know people who have been married three years that aren't willing to put the time in to make their marriage what it needs to be. But Jacob was willing to work 14 years just to get married. Love always does more than the law requires. When a son loves his father, he obeys his father. Why does he obey his father? Because he wants to bring honor to his father's name, doesn't he? The, the most painful thing as a son or a daughter you can hear from your parents is that whole, I'm so disappointed in you. My dad could beat me within an inch of my life, and I was pretty much okay with that. 
But when I got the speech about, I'm so disappointed, and then he just walks away all hurt looking. It was like, oh, man. Get the two by four. Let's get back to the beaten part. What's this? What's this all about? I don't want to disappoint my father. And I don't want to disappoint my heavenly father. Because I love him, I'm able to keep his commandments. What did Jesus say in John 14, 15? If you love me, keep my commandments. Love wants to obey. Love wants, it's not, is it trying to earn anything? Love's not trying to earn. Love's just trying to, to respond. Respond to that which has been given to them. Hey, the son obeys because he loves the father. What's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? In Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. So he gives us the Holy Spirit who bestows in our life love. In Romans 5, 5, it says the love of God is poured out in your life. How? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pours out that love in our life. So we have the ability to keep the commandments of God based on love that we never had when, we, when it was all about performance. When it's about response, there's a law in the books that tells me I have to feed and care for the, the babies that Kathy and I had. But they didn't really need that law. I loved the babies, and so what I do, made sure they were fed, made sure they were clothed. Love doesn't need a law. When we love God, we will walk like he walks. Like a son following his father in his father's footprints. We will walk as our father walks. We will experience all those things as we experience that adoption as sons, the love of God poured out in our lives. The scripture also lays out for us that the son is wealthy, he's rich, and the servant is poor. The son has everything. The servant, he's got nothing, he's just a slave. Well, well, how does that relate to us in our relationship by adoption? What does the scripture lay out for us? Guys, all throughout the pages of scripture, we experience the riches of his grace in Ephesians 1.7. We experience the riches of His glory in Philippians 4.19. We experience the riches of His goodness in Romans 2.4. We have the riches of His wisdom in Romans 11.33. We have in Colossians 1.9 and 2.3 this concept. All the riches of God are in Christ Jesus. Everything we need is in Christ. A relationship with him. We've been adopted. Jesus is our older brother. And he, we become heirs and joint heirs with him. Everything that, that goes to the son of the riches of God is given to us. The scripture lays out for us in the book of, of Ephesians. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Now. But we live like we don't have anything. Because we find ourselves living as servants, trying to earn the love of God that's already been freely given by adoption. We are part of his family in position. We have every spiritual blessing that God can give. What is it that we think God is holding back for us in heaven? The most precious thing he possessed was Jesus Christ, his son. And he freely gave him. Will he not also freely give us all things? 
Sure he will. Sure he will. We have every spiritual blessing. Why? Because we're sons. We're daughters. We're adopted into the family. God the Father is our daddy. The relationship is totally different. I don't have to earn my father's love. My father gives love. My heavenly father is love. And he gives, he bestows that love upon you and upon me based on our relationship with Jesus Christ, not performance. He's already freely given us all things. But we don't live in that power. We don't live in that freedom. We live in bondage. We bind ourselves in religion. Remember I told you, what's religion mean? To be bound, to be tied up. Because in religion, what do we like to do? A big list of rules of do's and don'ts, huh? You can do this and you can't do that. And we think that if we follow those do's and don'ts, somehow God loves us more. Listen, God can't love you any more than he does. When you were an enemy of God, he sent his son to die on the cross for you. We hadn't done anything to earn his love at that point. In this is love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We didn't even ask. He just gave. He just did. This is a relationship. Paul said, guys, you're sons. It would be as though I was saying, yeah, yeah, I'm a son, but... But, but, but I want to be a servant again. I've been adopted, but I don't want to be adopted. I want to go back to being a slave. Really? Is that what you want? Because that's the relationship that the Galatians were doing. They had freely been given all these things by the adoption, by the Spirit of God. They had this relationship with God. And now they're saying, no, we're going to earn that relationship by keeping the law. You see, they got it backwards. I'll walk in the commandments of God. I'll walk and do the things that are pleasing to him because I love him. Not because doing them is going to make me any better than what I already am. But because doing them pleases my father. I want to please my father because he loves me and I love him. So I want to please him. This is the attitude of the son and what the son has. What else? Listen, guys, the son has a future. Right? The servant, he doesn't. The servant, he's just going to be a servant for all time. But the son, the son has a future. What occurred? Remember I told you in the ceremony with the Romans that they had, first they have a private ceremony. In that private ceremony, the father prays a redemption price, the, the price for the son. So that everything's set in order. From that point, he's really adopted. But then there's this big celebration. And that big celebration the father announces to all the officials of the city, to all the people around, this is my son. You see, Jesus Christ came to earth and paid the purchase price for you and I. And that inner work is already done. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We're adopted now. But we're looking forward to that time when Jesus Christ will return and standing before the Father and all the people around declare, these are my sons and daughters. This is my family. That's our future. That's a future that we look forward to. The son has a future. The servant, there's no future. There's no future. That's all there is. 
Trying to earn, trying to make, trying to build. But the son has a future. So listen, understand when the scripture talks about the old covenant, the old covenant, the old covenant speaks of the Mosaic covenant. In the Mosaic covenant, understand, we are, or they were, servants. And that happened until Christ. And Christ paid the price, redeemed the children of the earth. For God so loved who? The world. That's all of us. Unless you live on a different planet. If you do, I'll need to talk to you after the service. He died for all the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He paid the price so that we could be adopted and part of the family of God. And now there wasn't a need for the law anymore. Now the law would be a response, an action of love poured out of the lives of people who put their faith and trust in him. So Paul says, why are you guys going back to bondage? Why are you trying to put chains back on? You've just been set free. Prime example out of the pages of Scripture is found in, in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus told a parable. You remember the parable? Rich man had a couple of sons, and one of the sons went to his father and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. And the father loved his son, and so he gave him his inheritance, and that son went off and lived a riotous life in a faraway land. Wine, women, and song until every penny was gone. And when he looked around, when every penny was gone, all those friends that stood by him were gone. By the way, every one of us have experienced that. He looked around and nobody was there with him. Nobody stood with him. Finally, he finds himself as a servant, as a slave, feeding the pigs, living in a big pile of mud, desiring, so hungry, desiring to eat the slop that the pigs were eating. And then he said... The slaves in my father's house have it better than this. When the prodigal son went to return to the father, how did he want to return? As a slave. Even the slaves in my father's house have it better than this. Okay, so, so he hangs his head and he begins to trek home. But what do we know about the father? We know that the father, every day since the son was gone, sat on the front porch and he looked down that long, lonely road for any sign that his son was coming home. And when he saw his son afar off, the scriptures say he jumped off the porch and ran as fast as he could run. And when he got to the son, the son was saying, Dad, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I should just be a slave. What did the father say? He took his robe off and he threw it around the son. He says, Oh, you're not a slave. You're my son. You're mine. He put a ring on his finger. He killed the fatted calf and had an incredible celebration. Why? Because his son had returned. His son who was dead is now alive. He had returned home. How did he return? As a son, not a slave. If we try to put ourselves back under the law, it's as though we're saying to God, I don't want your adoption. I can do this on my own. That's why Paul is so frustrated with those who want to go back under the law that becomes a whole pride issue doesn't it 
When we study the Old Testament, what do we discover? We discover that man does not have the ability to keep the law. Can't do it. He fails. He fails every time. Nine times out of ten, man fails. Why do you want to go back under that system when God sent his son to die for you, to pay the price for you, so that you can have a relationship with him? You're adopted. You have the riches of God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and they're all yours. You have everything that God possesses in the heavenlies when we put our faith and trust in Him. All He wants in response, all He wants from us is our love. And a father, when his son loves him, that that son, he just wants to to spend time with him, to be with him, to, to enjoy those experiences that that we have together. He wants to have all of those things. He wants to experience all of those things, the truth of all of that. The scripture lays out for us, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, in verse 7. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Man, that's the relationship that you have now. You're an heir with Christ. You're a son of of God. Now listen, you're not the same and you don't have the same relationship with God the Father that Jesus does. We know that because in the Gospel of John chapter 20 verse 17, when Jesus had risen from the dead, he's talking to Mary and he says, "Mary, I want you to go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father. I ascend to my God and your God." What was Jesus? Why didn't he say are? We've all been adopted. We're all one family. He didn't say our. He said mine and yours because his relationship is different. He is God in the flesh. We are not. We're just mankind. Given the gift of the Spirit of God to enable us to fulfill the, 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 the things that God wants to work in our life. To be the energy. He's the gas in the tank. Otherwise, we're trying to, to run on, on empty. We're trying to run on our own energy. We need Jesus Christ. He is what we need. He is what we need to carry us through. And he pours that into our life. So what is it that Jesus came to say? He came and said, I will declare your name, O God, to my brethren. I will declare your name. What does God want for us? He wants us to declare his name. What do you mean? In the law, there's a commandment. The commandment says not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Jesus came. He didn't take the name of the Lord his God in vain. He proclaimed who God is by everything he did. Because he loves the Father. He was an accurate representation of who God is. What does God want from us? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. People all around the world take the name Christian. What does that really mean? It all comes down to how I live my life, doesn't it? Well, I'm adopted and I don't want to bring shame to the family name. I want to honor my father. The great news is my father is so forgiving and merciful. When I blow it, 
All I have to do is confess my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. That's my father. But I'm going to start every day looking for an opportunity to honor his name. To not take the name of the Lord in vain. Jesus said, I will declare your name. God wants to know, will you declare my name? Will you declare my name by what you say? Will you declare my name by what you do? Will you declare my name by where you go? Will you declare my name by who you are? Will you declare my name? Because listen, God is not ashamed to be known as the God of Jackie. So Jackie should not be ashamed to proclaim the name of God in his life. Right? God is not ashamed to call you his son or daughter. He's not ashamed to say, you are mine and I love you so much. No matter how well you're doing or how poorly you're doing, God feels the same way about you. All he wants in response for us is to feel the same way about him. To not be ashamed of his name. To not try to disregard his gift and do it all myself. I don't need you, Lord. I can do this myself. No, I want to realize it's all by him, for him, through him. In verse 8 he says, But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those who were by nature not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? He said, listen, this is what he's saying. Hey, you guys were used to be in bondage to, to other false gods, other things, whatever was in your life before the Lord. But now that you know God and are known by him, listen, that phrase to know means to know personally. Do you understand how big God is? I mean, think about the universe. Isn't it huge? And you start talking about the sizes of planets and stars and it will blow your mind. Absolutely muddle up your brain and all the vastness of the universe. Yet it says that God cast the universe into the heavens with the span of his hand. That's the span of his hand. That's a big God who knows how many hairs are on my head. Your head. Knows everything about you. Why would you put yourself back in bondage, Paul says. You're free. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. You belong to him. Don't place yourself again into bondage. Realize, recognize. He said in verse 10, You observe days and months and seasons and years, and I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. You see, they, they had abandoned freedom, the freedom in Christ for bondage under the law. They had abandoned power for weakness. They had abandoned wealth for poverty. They had abandoned being a son so that they could be a servant. And Paul's exp explanation to them is, listen, how by placing your trust in the old covenant... Do you think that things will be better when Jesus Christ came and issued a new covenant that when you put your faith and trust in him, he made you his son? It is in Christ alone, not in the law. 
In Christ alone we find our ability to be more than we are, to overcome, to have it all. He says you keep all these things, these days, these feasts. And we know people do that. Listen, there's nothing wrong with keeping days and feasts and celebrating the the scriptures and the things that are in the Bible unless you believe by so doing you made yourself holy. No. You may have learned about the Lord. You may have experienced some things about Him, but they don't make you holy. What makes you holy, what makes you righteous, what makes you right with God is Christ alone. Your faith, your trust, your hope in Him alone. We cannot, by an outside event, make our lives holy before God. It's something that takes place inside. It's something that Jesus Christ does in us. When we experience putting our faith and trust in Christ alone, we become His sons and daughters. So, welcome to the family of God. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You for the truth of Your Word that we... We are sons and daughters of God. Father, help us, Lord Jesus, to walk as we walk. Lord, may we realize we don't do the things we do to earn your love. It's freely given already. It's a free gift. But also, God, help us to to just live our lives in such a way that we bring honor and glory to you. That we're not ashamed to call you Father. We're not ashamed to say, that's my dad. That's the one whom I live for. That's the one whom I love. Father, we don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to live our life in fear of man, for fear of man is a snare. We want to walk in the fear of God, the fear of letting our Heavenly Father down. Because I love you. I love what you've done for me. I love the work that you've done in my life. And I want to love you in return. Thank you for making me a a son, forgiving unto me all the riches that you have in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And help me, God, to walk in that. Help me to live in that. Let me live my life of equal weight, worthy of what Jesus Christ has given to me. Not earning. Just let me be real. If I say my faith and trust is in you, then let me walk as my faith and trust are in you. And keep me from the error of legalism that I somehow try to please you by works of the flesh. For by works of the flesh, no man can please God. In order to please God, we please God by faith, putting our trust in what he said, that he sent his son for us. Father, we... We want to stay in that position as sons and daughters. We want to stay in that place within the family of God. We don't want to say, God, I'd rather be a servant. I want to be a son. I want to be a son. Thank you for the forgiveness and the strength that you put upon us so that we're able to do that. Lord, we thank you, God, that in the new covenant we can stand before you and just sing glory and hallelujah to you, Father, for what you've done. For it's all finished. It is finished is what you said from the cross. Hebrews chapter 1, you tell us your final words 
We're Jesus Christ. We don't need anything else. That's all we need. So Lord, help us to celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. Help us to celebrate the acceptance that at one time, like that young man, we walked in the world and we had no one and no thing. But you have brought us into your family. And you have become our father. And we have become your children. May we celebrate that freedom when God Almighty has become our dad. Lord God, we lay this time before you and pray, Father, help us truly to grasp the truth of your word, Lord Jesus, to make it a part of our life. Father, be glorified in the lives we live as we leave this place. May we bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.